Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. A couple of weeks ago, a man made an appointment, came to see me, and basically it was about this. He'd had this unusual experience, and his question was, Pastor Keith, do you think this was God? You know, God, is that you? Have you ever had one of those experiences in your life where you just, you just have to pause and say, was that a coincidence or is God doing something here? God, is that you? Now, truth be told, we can get ourselves um, worked up about something or wanting something so bad we can convince ourselves that it's what God wants for us, right? Anybody ever do that? We can do that. But what about those times where the emotions die down, but the prompting remains? Do, do I say this to that person? Do I take action in that area? God, is that you? Uh, it can be dreams. You know, have you ever had a dream that was so realistic you thought, wow, God, are you saying something to me in that dream, or did I have too much pizza last night? <laughs> I remember my, one of my sons came home from a Christian youth camp and at a prayer time at the end of the service, someone had come to him and said, I believe that God wants you to do this in your future. And he came home and he wanted to process that. You know, God, when God speaks through someone or they claim that he has, do you say, God, is that you? Or do you just say, well, that must be God. Uh, one other example. Have you ever had something in your life you knew it was so biblical and it was so ethical, it was so right on, it was the right thing to do, and you went out and you started to do it, and then as you went along that pathway, you got hit by all kinds of negative circumstances. You know, the wheels came off, and you begin to say, God, God, was that you? If, if that's of you, God, then why am I getting this opposition? Why am I facing these potholes in the, in the road of obedience to you? What, what is going on here? God, is that you? Because there are impressions we can have. There are dreams and coincidences, impressions and circumstances. They can leave us saying with all sincerity, God, is that you? You know, over these next few weekends leading up to Christmas, pastors Jonathan and Jan and myself are going to turn to some Christmas characters to help us sort out whether we know if something is really God or not. This weekend, it's the shepherds. They're the Christmas characters that are going to help us. And listen, it's going to get very practical. They're going to help us make decisions like this. Um, they're going to help us determine what career choice or what educational track that we should go on, who we should marry, how many are really listening now, where we should volunteer in 2020, 
You say, I need something more immediate than that. Okay, how about this? How about uh, what you should get someone for Christmas? That's pretty immediate, isn't it? How many appreciate some help on that? By the way, did you know that both Mary and Joseph had their own God, is that you, experiences? Remember when they found out, when Mary finds out and that she's, gonna, she's chosen to carry the Messiah of the human race, and how can this be? You know, God, is that you? And then Joseph finds out she's pregnant. God, is that you? And it takes angels and supernatural revelation to reassure them that, yes, Mary has been chosen to give birth to the, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior for the human race. And so they are so convinced But then, what happens with circumstances? Caesar Augustus puts some taxation legislation in place that requires people to go to their their town of origin. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I can imagine the day that Joseph tells Mary, Mary, I know you're in the third trimester of your pregnancy. However, um, and I know you got the baby's room all set up here in Nazareth. It's even in blue. But we're going to have to make a 158-kilometer journey to Bethlehem, and you'll be on a donkey. How many times? No, every time that donkey hit a pothole, Mary's saying, God, is this really you? And then when they arrive, you know, the GPS says, you have reached your destination. And I look up and it's a hotel, but it has a no vacancy sign in front of it. You know, how many like be there with Joseph after he comes from the reception desk of yet another hotel in Bethlehem and he says, uh, Mary, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is they have some space. The bad news is it's space between a donkey and a camel, you know? (laughs) That's the space that they have. I mean, You can just see Mary saying, God, you do angels. Couldn't you have sent an angel to make a reservation for your own son? I mean, the maternity ward is an unsanitary stable, and then the best option they have for a baby crib is an animal's feeding trough. You can just look. I can just imagine a discouraged Mary and a doubting Joseph looking over at baby Jesus in the manger and saying, God, is that really you? Meanwhile, there were shepherds in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks by night. By the way, wouldn't it be really neat if we had Pastor Jonathan in a field near Bethlehem with shepherds and sheep reading what happens next, all right? Francesco, you did a great job with the Christmas decorations. I'm going to be exactly two minutes to get a video together for that, okay? You good? All right, in the meantime, let's just get into the headspace. Let's get out there in the fields near Bethlehem with these shepherds. These shepherds, as I read about it, to me, they're not really Starbucks guys. They're sort of Tim Hortons kind of guys. You know what I'm saying? And you know what they're going to start talking about, right? They get their flocks together and, uh, so that they can have some time by the fire and just, you know having a little bit of uh, social connection. And, uh, and what are they going to talk about? They're like Canadians. What's the first thing we talk about? The weather, right? Would somebody say hockey? <laughs> Nobody's talking about the least these days. All right. The, 
the weather, right? And you can imagine, they're, they're, they're huddled by the fire and saying, yeah, what? isn't it great? We've got another clear night. You can see all seven kilometers all the way to our capital, Jerusalem. And Alma looks southeast and he says, and I can see all the way to King Herod's villa, his resort. Look at the lights on there. I wonder if King Herod is staying there tonight. Another one says, look, you can see Bethlehem. It's really close by. Look, what are the lights doing on behind that hotel? You know, whatever could be going on this time of night in a little town of Bethlehem. And then after they talk about weather, what do they talk about next? Weather and then politics, right? You know, you can hear them just talking. Do you think Herod is going to get impeached? No, wrong millennia, sorry. But listen, th th this, this was a really hot topic, just like that might be for some. Uh, here were the hot topics. I wonder if the Messiah is going to show up in our lifetime, finally. Or, or how long is this Roman oppression of God's people going to be allowed to go on? You know, I, I can just hear what I'm saying, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but every one of our people that led a revolt against the Romans has been killed. You know, Simon, Theodos, and someone else says, yeah, but have you heard about uh, Judas of Gamal? Up in Galilee, he's leading a group there. They refuse to pay their Roman taxes. Another one says, yeah, but he's probably been killed by now. And we haven't heard about it. We're the last ones to hear the news out here in this field. I suppose if the Messiah came, we'd be the last ones to ever hear about it. And then something happens that's quite a surprise, so much so that they spill their Tim Hortons coffee. Something happens that's more of a surprise than a Kanye West pop-up church service. Pastor Jonathan's going to tell us about it. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased. Why the shepherds? I mean, why... Why not put on this spectacular light sound show in the sky? Why not put it on where you're going to have maximum impact? Well, the most densely populated area would have been in Jerusalem. Why not do it over there, seven kilometers away? Or why not? Wouldn't this be a political shakeup? Why not do it right over top of Herod's villa? Wouldn't that be something? Why did God intentionally bypass the places of political and religious power to make the greatest birth announcement in human history to cultural nobodies, to sheep herders? Why? The answer, did you hear Pastor Jonathan in that scripture? The answer is in the announcement of the angels. This is good news of great joy for all people. For all people. And it's like the, 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 the angels want to make sure that the shepherds got this. And so they go on to underscore that 
part of it. They say, born to you, you shepherds, you cultural nobodies, born to you. Uh, how many are thankful that all peoples includes me? Can you say that aloud together with me? All peoples includes me. And all people hearing me right now, whether you're online or in this room in Toronto, every one of us have reason to say, God, why me? Why me? Why with all the people in the world who have not even heard about a Savior that came from heaven, Jesus, why am I so blessed? Why am I so blessed to have heard the good news that God so loved that he gave his one and only son? In a world of almost 7 billion people, how privileged are we to have God show up in the field of our lives and say, I'm here for you. I'm giving my life for you. Your sins can be forgiven. It's so easy if you're like me. You grow up hearing the Christmas story and the gospel over and over. So easy to take it for granted. So let's talk about this first. What first? Let's talk about being fully present for what God reveals to you. The shepherds are like, they are so there when God reveals his plan to them. Um, I was at a conference of church leaders where there was a wonderful praise time that was led by a youth band. It was so good to see these young people in love with Jesus and using their music and their talents, lyrics that exalted Jesus. And it was just a wonderful time. And I was trying to be fully present and catch on to the words and sing with them. And I noticed people with their hands up like this. And then I noticed that those hands that were up had smartphones in them. What were they doing? Some of them left where they were seen. They went right up and they started recording the band that was leading in worship. Were they worshiping? I don't know their hearts, but I, I know that their hands were up, but they had, they had cell phones in them. I sort of thought of that when I was getting ready this weekend. For this weekend, I was thinking of those shepherds, you know. If it had to happen in 2019, how, how the shepherds would, you know, there would be these angels in the sky, light and sound, greatest ever birth, and I can see them all with their smartphones just recording it, and then rushing off to see who can be the first one to get it on YouTube because you know it's going to go viral. What am I saying? I'm saying don't miss being fully present for what God reveals to you. Get, yeah, get videos and pictures of those special moments in life. But here's what I'm saying. Don't be so busy recording the moment that you miss the moment. There's, you know, there's times that God wants to have a, a father-daughter and father-son time just with you. Just to encourage you and direct you and correct you and bless you. And give you something for others. And you don't even have to tweet about it. It's just, just, it's for you. There are times when you're in the scripture and you give God your full attention. Have you ever just read Bible verses, but you weren't there? <laughs> but if you're there, how many know God is so faithful to speak through the words of scripture to encourage us, to correct us, to give us direction for our lives, to give us something for, for somebody else. God help us to get the most of those moments when we're, we're in the scriptures and worship. When we come together like this and 
joining us online. I remember Pastor Jonathan said recently, when we worship, we're, the congregation's not the audience. Who's the audience? God is the audience. So to be fully present in those moments where we say, God, I'm grateful to you too, and I'm going to use this. The song's not worship. The song's just a tool that I can use to let my heart worship God. Praying. Isn't it a privilege to know that God's fully present for us 24-7? Fully present. He's right there with us. I can say, help God, or I can say, thank you, God. Oh, God, help us to be fully present when we, when we pray, to just know that God's right there with us and for us. Listen to Jesus with his disciples just before he went to the cross. Okay? He says this. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given. Say it aloud together with me. This is my body given. I was telling our staff recently that I calculated how many times about uh, in the last 40 years of pastoring that I have led people in communion because Edmonton, Ottawa, and here, I've always been in multiple services leading in communion multiple times. It's probably been over 4,000 times. And I said to them, over the years, I have found it essential because communion for me can become something that I do for someone else. I lead someone else in. There have been so many times over the years that I have had to stop myself and say, Jesus, this is not something I do for other people to lead them into. I need this too. I need your forgiveness. I need what you did on the cross for me. This is for me too. Without Jesus, all we'd have to look forward to in life would just be, you know, the seven stages. It's, it's so easy when you grow up on this and you've had a lot of Christmas, just to, you've heard it over and over and it's easy to get over it. To get over the miracle that there was a God that didn't have to, but because he wanted to spend forever with us, he came to give us a second chance, gave his life for us. It, I was hopelessly in debt, and he came and he paid my debt. My future looked like this, death, but he came and he renovated that death into eternal life and said, come and join me in eternity. It's just, it's just something. It's the miracle of it. You know, I, I was saying, you know, most people who don't know Jesus, and if they just have religion and they hope that there's an afterlife, all, all they basically have in this life are, you know, seven stages. You've heard me talk about the seven stages before, probably. But it starts right with babies. They, every, when you're a baby, everything spills. Then you, then you go to school, there's school drills. You hit the stage of life, youth, youth thrills. And then it's bills, ills, pills, and wills, right? So I was thinking about that, and I thought, I should come up with seven descriptions of the future of a Christian. And they're all, you know, all people. They're all, and in all, just remind us, it's for every one of us. Jesus came to, to, to save us. And so I'm pleased to be able to announce today that our future looks like this. There'll be no more death because our future is eternal. There'll be no loss or suffering because our future is supernatural. There'll be no hatred or heartache. Our future is peaceable. You and I will be worshiping our Savior in heaven with people from every language, tribe, and nation, and culture, so our future is international. 
Jesus said about you, his followers, if you're following him, he said, no one will snatch them from my hand. I'm going to get them all the way to heaven. So in other words, our future in Christ is unstoppable. And our future is going to be beautiful beyond what this human mind could ever imagine. So our future is indescribable. Now our future is eternal, supernatural, peaceable, international, unstoppable, indescribable because we have a Savior who is incomparable. Because Jesus Christ came and did for us what no religious founder, what no religion could ever do. He paid the price for everything that would keep us from going to heaven. And then he rose from the dead to open up the doorway and pay the entrance fee for every one of us so we could go to heaven. How many are thankful? He has no rival. He has no equal. He is incomparable. Incomparable. And, and that, that's what Christmas is. And that's for you. That's for all people. You know, I think that when those shepherds, if they ever had a bad day after that, light and sound show up in the sky, all they had to do was say, oh, but remember, however loud, I don't know what would have given them a bad day. You know, the sheep made a mess. I don't know. Price of lamb chops went down. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever, they, all they had to do was say, remember, Jesus Christ came to earth to forgive our sins. And he told us it's for us too. No one could ever take that away from them. And listen, dear one, this December 2019, if you ever have a bad day, just look over at the manger and say, God, you did that for me. You left heaven to do this for me, to come to be my savior. If you ever have a bad day, just remember the cross. He didn't have to. He paid the price. He paid the price for your sin and my sin in full. He, how many know that that's... That, that's, that's something to be forever grateful for. And then we look at the empty tomb and we realize Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. We have eternal life. How many know whatever kind of day you're having, nobody can take that away from you? Nobody. So just be, be fully present because that's worth being fully present for. And then secondly, what else do the shepherds have to teach us about God is that you? Well, break outside your echo chamber to hear and help others. I think Pastor Jonathan is going to help us out here again. All right? Let's listen to what the shepherds did after they, you know, heard this announcement, this birth announcement that Jesus Christ had come. What did they do next? Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Told us about. Told us about. Told us about. Was that cool? I just thought that was a great idea. No, break outside of your echo chamber. Let's go find out. Let's take this. It wasn't just a matter of God. This is not just for me. Let's, let's go with what God has said to do about it. Let's take it to, to other people. Can you imagine if the shepherds had just stayed in the fields, just reliving the experience over and over? Just creating their own echo chamber? Just talking to themselves about how good God was and what he had done for them? A few days ago, I was trying to get some Black Friday deals uh, uh, for Christmas presents. I have four grandsons, five years age and under, and so uh, I, I did some research, tried to find the best prices, but I noticed after that, 
these ads kept popping up. Who knew Paw Patrol made so many toys? You know what I'm saying? Just all just populating the, you know, how many of you have been on YouTube researching one thing and suddenly the sidebar just gets populated with all these other rabbit holes you can go down into along the same line? It's called algorithms. They rule the internet and they can be very, very helpful. But they can also push people into echo chambers. You know, especially, right, in our world, in, in the world of news, you, I get my news from this place. People that agree with me about that. I, I, politics, you know, people are so polarized in our world today. You, you're this or that way, and you don't listen to anybody else that any, any other views other than your own, which is the only way democracy can work. But people get their social views, and they just get them reinforced because they're only talking to themselves. People who think the exact same thing that they do, it just echoes right back to them. And what happens here is then you don't listen to others. Two ways it can happen for a Christian. Two ways you can be an algorithmic Christian. And that's not like the band that was up here, right? They're not that kind of rhythm. Algorithmic Christian. Here's the first way. We get stuck in an echo chamber when we don't connect with new people in our church community. You know, when it's a case of us four, no more. I see these people and I head for the door. You know, just, th th this is what I do every week. We, you know, I, I want to give you a New Year's resolution that you can start practicing before New Year's gets here. Get yourself in a place in every church gathering, whether it's midweek or the weekend, get yourself in a place where you meet new people. Just put yourself in a position where you meet new people. Um, I was so excited and Pastor Jonathan was sharing and I checked with Pastor O'Shea to get the numbers right and um, Youth Alpha Retreat. Did, did you hear about it? When Pastor Jonathan told us 15 new or reaffirmations of commitments to follow Jesus. Isn't that great? 11 of them were Holy Spirit baptized. Talking to uh, Pastor Gord, the young adults, you know that they're quite frequently having over 60 young adults gathering at their, at their, at their meetings. Isn't that great? Oh, there was, listen, it was, there, were, there was a lot less than that not that long ago. I am just so thankful. We have prayed about this and longed for this for years. And just to see the Lord helping us reach younger generations. And then, uh, but it means a lot of new people that are coming in. A lot of new people. How are we doing? Are we getting ourselves in a position where those new people feel welcomed? In our community groups, I love the idea, in January, they're going to have a time where you can just sort of test out a community group with no pressure for one, one time. Just come and attend, oh, that's what they're like, okay. And then, and then find out where you, you, you can decide where you go from there. But I think every one of us, if we put ourselves in a position where when we come to church or come to any one of our group meetings where we, where we say, I'm here to welcome new people. How many know our church is already a very accepting, welcoming church, but how many know we'd even get better? We'd even get better. Think of new people that are coming in. Let, let's, let's be there for them. Don't ever have a Christian life where you're not connecting with new people. And then, you know what happens though? Here's what happens, because you see, this is why it's so important to ask when you say, God, is that you? to say God's will always includes others. Let me show you how it happens. It happened for the shepherds. 
The shepherds break outside their echo chamber and they go to do what God has revealed to them. They have no idea the impact they're going to have on Mary and Joseph. Remember Mary and Joseph? We left them, you know, after their 158-kilometer trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem on Donkey Express and, 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 and hitting potholes and no vacancy and then a baby being born in unsanitary conditions and them looking over at the manger saying, God, is that really you? And then there's, while they're standing there wondering about that, and they don't even wait until Joseph opens the door to the stable. They just burst right in. Where's the Messiah? Where's Jesus, the Son of God? Where's the one that is born this day? And Joseph, he's pretty discouraged, right? Remember? And so he says, well, sorry, guys. I'm sure it's the best we could do. I'm sure you didn't expect to see God's promised Messiah in an animal's feeding trough. And they say, yes, it's exactly what we are looking for. The angel told us that we would find the baby, the Son of God, wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And you can imagine what that did for Mary and Joseph. I, I, Mary... It's even recorded what it did for her. You can imagine her saying, with all these dis discouraging circumstances, all this no vacancy and out here, God, am I even in your will? And then these shepherds arrive and say, you're right in the center of God's will, Mary. Isn't that wonderful? And she ponders it in her heart. There's a verse that says that but when the shepherds left, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She's basically looking at the manger now saying, God, that really is you. That really is you. Now, the thing, though, is those shepherds, all they're doing is following the instructions that God had given them through the angels to go to the city of David and they would find Christ the Lord. They have no idea what they, when they do what God has told them to do that they're going to be such an encouragement to the mother of the Messiah. They have no idea. You know, that's exactly like you. You know, you do not know how many times you smile or talk to someone or pray with someone or reach out to someone or someone's on your heart and you send them an email. You do not know how many times you are part of God orchestrating his will in the life of someone who is discouraged and doubting. And it comes at just the right moment for them. All right, there's a second way we can get inside an echo chamber and be an algorithmic Christian. And that is when we don't interact with people who are trying to do life without Jesus. We don't interact with them. For instance, Christmas Eve. What a great opportunity to invite people that we live around us, you know, in-laws, outlaws, people that we know from work. We can, we can invite people out to a service where they're going to hear about the love of Jesus. But if you say, yeah, but I don't really know any non-Christians well enough. Well, I, I want to encourage you to start working on that quick. <laughs> My wife's been so good. Every neighborhood we've lived in, and it's the same in the condo that we live in right now. She so just do special things for them and baking and little things throughout the year, and you get talking to them on elevators. And, and it's just been amazing. Our relationship with so many people in our building has gotten to the place now where they're asking us to pray for them. And they'll say, are you going to be teaching online? By the way, if you're watching online, my neighbors, would you be my neighbor? You, you already are. 
And I, I, I so want my neighbors to know that because of Jesus in my life, I'm a lot nicer neighbor than I would have been without him. <laughs> but with Jesus in my life, it just, it's just when you know Jesus, you want everyone to know what he's done for them because he did it for all people. He did it for others. This, these shepherds, they not only go and encourage Mary and Joseph, but listen to what they do next. Listen, when they had seen Jesus, when they'd seen the baby in the manger, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Oh, how many say, I, I, I don't want to live my Christian life in an echo chamber. <laughs> I want to be welcoming new people. I want to be uh, reaching out to people who do not know Jesus and telling them the good news. Right on? All right, and then third, whatever you experience of God invested in others. Listen, this is the missing link. This is the missing ingredient for so many people who pray for God's will. They say, I want God's will for me, for me, for me. And then what about just looking at what God has already revealed about his will and acting on that? You do not even have God's will in your life unless you factor in how the direction you go in and the decisions you make affect other people. The Apostle Paul, he, he lived this. He said this. He says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for moi. I do, say it aloud together with me, I do what is best for others so that they may be saved. And, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. In other words, he, he's saying that's what Jesus did. That's where I learned this from. Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to have you guys serve me. I came to serve you. I'm here for others to be a ransom for many. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. I have a friend, Brian Stiller, some of you know him, just been a great uh, Christian leader in Canada for, for decades now. And his mother, Mildred, attended our church for a number of years, and I served on a board with uh, Brian Stiller, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. So we'd have meals together and, and chats together. And one time we were just talking about our families and, and just, just marveling at how, isn't it amazing how some people go out and they, they get involved in charities and boards, and, and they're, even though they're successful and they could keep stuff for themselves, they give away to others. And, and we began to talk about this. You know what, Brian? told me. He said every uh, January at the beginning of a new year, his parents would line up all the kids and say, and they knew it was coming, and they'd have to answer this question, what are you going to do this year for? Guess what the next word is. What are you going to do this year for? Others. So by the way, Pastor Don and I are going to line you all up before you go out the doors today and say, as you go into the new year. No, we're not. No, we're not. Because we haven't figured out how to do it for you people online yet. That's the only reason. <laughs> what are we saying here? When you're making your career choice or promotion choice, when you're making a, a, a choice about your, your educational pathway, Yes, look at what you're good at. Look at 
what your interests are, look at where your heart is, look at where the jobs are, but also factor in what career educational pathway would I go so that I can have a maximum impact on others in Jesus' name. You know, I've done a lot of weddings, and I don't know that there's been one that I haven't prayed over the couple and said, God, make them more effective as a married couple than they ever could have been as two separate individuals. Do you have that goal for your marriage? When it comes to praying for our kids, don't just pray, oh God, keep them safe and give them a good education. Say, God, may our kids be a blessing in their school today. May they let their light shine for you, Jesus. Right on? Leadership. If you're trying to plan leadership, where you're going to take the group of people you're leading, uh, don't just ask, what do I want? Or what, is, what do we think is a leadership group? Ask, what's best for the people that we're leading? What's God's best that we could ever do for them? I, I said I was going to help you find the right place to volunteer in the church in 2020, right? Don't just ask, how has God gifted me and wired me and then try and find people that fit in with that? No, no. Just say, God, how can I best meet the needs of people? How can I use the gifts and talents you've given me to serve others? Do you remember I said I was going to help you with your Christmas presents this year? Let me, let me ask it this way. How many upstairs, downstairs, online, you have gotten a Christmas present that was exactly what they wanted you to have? Right? You had no interest. It meant nothing to you, but it's exactly what they wanted you to have. Well, choose a Christmas present that'll be meaningful to the recipient, to the person that you're giving it to. So there, I helped you get your Christmas presents, all right? <laughs> Listen, you don't have God's will unless you have factored in how that decision, how that direction will best impact others. I, I, I did, um, I, I spoke at a funeral last month and uh, the family was part of our church family for years and I, I knew the family well but I didn't know the brother that had died and, uh, and yet when I was preparing for the funeral I just had this strong impression that you know it was so it should have been a time I took a funeral message and didn't know the person and just done a funeral message but I, I, my, I just couldn't get away from when I, in my preparation times that I was to speak on this interaction of Jesus and a man in the Gospels. And I struggled with it and didn't want to do it, but just, just had a sense that this was the right thing to do. And so when I got there and I heard about his life and I heard the tributes and I saw how many people were there that didn't know Jesus, I knew I was on the right track that God had given me what I should say. And on the way back, I was just marveling over it. We were driving back from... I think it was Pickering, and, and, and I said to Esther, my wife, I said, honey, just, let's just start writing down all the times that we have had it where we go to do something, and then it's either, it's not like you're going to do something bad, but we're redirected, or we have a strong impression that this is what we should do, and then and it just, we came to find out that was exactly what God wanted. And she began to write down, do you know the list is up to over 30 right now? And, and, and one of them is something, well, let me just back up. 
There's a lady that emailed me just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a woman that we had the privilege of pastoring in Edmonton. She talked about how she'd grown in ministry during our years of pastoring in Edmonton. She now lives in Waterloo, you know, sort of, do you remember me kind of a thing? And um, she says, I'm going to be in Toronto December 6th and attending your Saturday service. Would it be possible to say hi to you at the end of the service? And, and I knew who it was right away because she was one of those 30 stories that we wrote down, over 30 stories. Here's the story. It was about 35 years ago, and I was uh, the, the, se- the senior pastor of the church that I was assistant pastor at in Eben, he resigned. And the deacon board immediately approached me and said, you know, we're hearing from the seniors, got a petition from the youth, and and the whole church is behind this. We want you to be our new senior pastor. And I, like I was only 24. I was just out of puberty, you know what I'm saying? It's just like I'd never had that experience, and just, and this was a vibrant, growing church already, and and, and not only that, but I was young. I, was in, I told the board, listen, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. You deserve this church. I love them so much. They deserve someone that's more experienced than me. I remember telling them that. And also, we're facing a building program in, in a recession in, in Alberta. And, and so we're facing all of these things. And, and I know I'm not the one. And they came back and said, we prayed and we think that you are. And I'll never forget, the night after I met with the board, uh, my devotions were in, uh, in, in King David's words to Solomon the very next day. Guess what he said to the Lord? He said, and Lord, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced and he's got to build the temple. And so you say, well, God, is that you? It's got to be more than just one thing. And so we prayed until, because I realized it was really pride that was keeping me. I was afraid that if I became the pastor, things wouldn't go so well. So I had to humble myself. And, uh, you know, we said yes, and the congregation voted almost unanimously. And, uh, but I'll never forget that Sunday night where I was installed as senior pastor, this young 24-year-old, and this young adult in the church who was a hotel manager and also the Sunday school superintendent in our church, at the end of the service, sensed that the Spirit wanted to say something of affirmation about what was happening in our church family. And she went and she asked leadership for permission and they said, what's it about? And, they, and she began, listen, she took the microphone and, and she was, there's Lori on the picture there, she, or here. She was with us last night. She didn't know I was going to tell this story. I asked her after the service, do you remember this story? She says, oh yeah. She says, I didn't want to do it, but I just knew God wanted me to. She took the microphone and she spoke words of affirmation. She spoke about things that there's no way she could have known about them unless the Holy Spirit had revealed them to her. Things that God had impressed on me even as a little boy that I had not told anybody. Isn't that amazing? But it was just an unusual situation. And she had no way of knowing. And I asked her last night, do you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember that. But she said, I didn't know that it meant so much to you. But I was like Mary. I went away pondering these things in my heart. And that's, that's exactly like you. You will not know. When you just start living for Jesus and for others and welcoming people, and opening up your life to witness to me, you will not know how God will use you. But I'll tell you this, you're going to get to heaven someday, and there will be people in heaven 
who will say to you, you'll never know how much your smile as an usher or greeter or when I went to youth group, you just went over and said, you left your clique and you came over and said hi to me. You'll never know how much that meant to me. I don't even know if I ever would have come back if you had not done that. Interesting, Esther, my wife told me, from the, she was in the first service this morning and she said there's a, there's a woman that she gave a hug to in greeting and she said that woman started to weep. And she says, you'll never know how much that meant to me. How, how many understand? Just simple things like a smile, encouragement. You're part of a community group. There's someday in heaven they'll be saying to you, you know, when I went through that rough time, you guys prayed for me. You were there for me. And I thank you for it. Or uh, you don't even know it, but I was watching your example as someone older than me in the church, and you were faithful to Jesus in the rough times in your life. You'll never know how that motivated me and encouraged me and inspired me to live for Jesus. Well, how many understand it? Just, just, God, is that you? If it's God, it will always include who? It will always include? It will always include? Let's pray about this. Thank you, Jesus, that just like you did for the shepherds, you made it clear that the good news was for us. Whether we've said yes to it or not, whether online or in this room, thank you, that Jesus Christ left heaven to come to be our Savior, to give us a second chance. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. May we never get used to it. But Lord, help us to, to not just keep it to ourselves, but to, to include others in the good news. I pray for every person online in in this room in Toronto who's making decisions about a job or relationships or their education or about their future, I pray that they'd also say, and Jesus, I wanna, I wanna, I want whatever I decide, whatever direction I go in, I want it to have a stronger focus on others. I wanna be part of your plan. Not just about me getting from you, but You've blessed me, and now I want to bless others. You've blessed me to make me a blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would guide every one of us. And Lord, at this Christmas time, help us to just have a much better Christmas experience because we take the focus off self and we say, Jesus, it's about you, and it's about blessing others, we pray. May that happen, Lord Jesus. I know every one of us will be, will just have that much better of a Christmas when we make it less about me and more about you and others. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.